Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. This is the day it started. The most difficult week that our Lord ever had. A week that was unjust, a week that was not fair. By the way, if you're looking for fair, that's where you take your pig. Fair is not in this world. Jesus experienced the brutality. And yet he taught us the way. It's not the easiest way. It's not the fair way. It's the way. And when Paul gets to the end of chapter 12, it's as if he's quoting Jesus almost every verse. Allusions, we call them, to the teaching of Jesus. And I just believe that this may be the most challenging part of the whole chapter. Now, the chapter, we assign the title, The Way, because it's a, it's a call to surrender your life. Starts off in verse 1, I beg you by the mercies of God, present yourselves a living sacrifice. So, there's not a lot fun about that. That means you die, and He lives through you. It's not you in control, it's He's in control. And then he kind of walks us through and he says, you got to keep your mind renewed because that's where the battle is. The battle is right here. You wake up every day and you get to fight that battle right there. And then he gets to these parts where we've been in the last couple of weeks. Last week he talked about how we love one another, how we take care of one another in the body of Christ. But today he switches gears and he says, now let's talk about when they persecute you when they don't like you, when they say things that are wrong about you and hurtful things. So the way is what you do when you follow Jesus. And he has already done it. He would never ask you to do what he did not do. This week in the life of our Lord, think about this. He walks off the Mount of Olives. He goes down into the Kidron Valley and he enters the city, and they line the streets on this day with palm branches. And they're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which was a cry of hope, a cry of salvation, a cry of deliverance. But I've since moving to Florida have learned that palm branches have thorns. Those cries of Hosanna turned into crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. So from this day until Friday, ooh, what a change. But I want to tell you there's one thing that didn't change. The way Jesus loved them. He loved those who cried Hosanna, though he knew what they meant. They wanted a political deliverer. They wanted somebody to overthrow Rome. They wanted a Messiah that would literally reign from David's throne and who would cast out all foreign rulers. But Jesus loved them. 
And then when they began to hate him, they began to yell, crucify him. What did he do? He loved them. So Paul begins in verse 9 with this phrase, let your love be genuine, or let love be genuine. And the word genuine means it's a real you. It's not pretense. You're not faking it. It's authentic. And I think that phrase is the theme for the last part of the chapter. It applies to both those in the body and those out there. But those out there can be brutal. Let me tell you what we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose what they say about us. We don't get to choose what they write about us. We don't get to choose how they treat us, how they talk about us behind our back. No, we don't get to choose that. But we get to choose how we respond to it. And that's where he says, here is how you respond. You remember this. Because Jesus is the example for all of them. And I want you to read it with me. And I'm going to ask that you stand with me. These are words that speak so to this day and to this week. I just feel like we could stand together and read this in honor of what our Lord went through in these days. Though this is written by Paul. He knew. He saw what Jesus went through. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of everyone. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. With all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap coals, burning coals on his head. Finally, we get to a verse I like in this. As a kid growing up, I used to think, man, that'd be so cool. So if I do good when they're doing bad, I get to watch the coals get poured on their head. Not what it means. Sorry to disappoint you. Do not overcome evil or be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In honor of our Lord, may God help us to live this way. You may be seated. So we get to choose. And I want you to choose four things of how you're going to live when they don't like you. When the world is against you. And sometimes even brothers and sisters in Christ are against you. Number one, choose to bless, not curse. Choose to bless, not curse. Jesus taught that. The first sermon he preached, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, he actually says, no, no, for your enemies, bless them. And he tells us how to do it. He actually says, you pray for them and you love them. So pray for them and love them. I know some of you are going, hey, I want to bless. I'll bless them. Yeah, your blessing may not be exactly what Jesus had in mind. 
when the disciples saw the Samaritans refusing to hear the gospel and refusing Jesus, they said to Jesus, hey, you want us to call down fire from heaven on them? And Jesus said, no, that's not who we are. Bless, not curse. This is, this is the hard part because we all want to fight back. We all want to make it right. And he's going to speak to that even more in just a moment. Jesus had a great moment on this week. Friday, he's hanging on the cross. There's nothing just about it. There's nothing right about it, nothing fair about it. He's hanging on the cross. They're making fun of him. I believe he was stripped completely naked because it's humiliation. The Romans were really good at that. And so here he is hanging naked before the world, a man who did nothing wrong, never sinned, nothing but love. And Jesus looks down at him, and he opens his mouth as he looks up and says, Father. And you're just hoping the next line is, Father, get him. That's not what he said. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's how you bless and not curse. When you have every right to curse, when you have every right to ask God to get them, bless, not curse. The second thing, choose to be humble, not haughty. Choose to be humble, not haughty. This is very interesting to me. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. The first thing that strikes me is we're going to let our love be genuine. Walk with people where they are. You're not too good to do that. You're not better than them. Walk with them where they are. So he starts with rejoice with those who rejoice. Jesus did that. Weep with those who weep. He did that. In fact, one of the most encouraging places in the story of Jesus is when he went to the tomb of Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, he's standing there and, and, and he sees all of them grieving and he weeps. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Say that with me. Jesus wept. You memorized scripture today. You're doing great. You got one down. Jesus wept. He weeps with those who weep. Don't you ever think when you're weeping, you're weeping alone. He meets us where we are. And he also rejoices when we rejoice. Where did he do his first miracle? At a wedding. At a party. And a Jewish wedding was a party, and he was there celebrating, and they ran out of wine. I just think, if you're going to have a party, you better invite Jesus. <laughs> you never know what might happen. He rejoiced with those who were rejoicing. Just walk with people where they are. I got a question for you. Which is harder to do for you? Weeping with those who weep or rejoicing with those who rejoice? I know you're trying to think, which is the righteous answer? Well, there's not one. I mean, they're both equal. You know what I think? It's harder to rejoice with somebody who rejoices. Because there's a part of you that thinks, why wasn't it me that got that promotion? 
Why wasn't it me that found somebody, the love of their life, to marry? Why wasn't it me that, you know, God answered a prayer like this? And so there's a part of it. Now, when they're hurting, you identify with them quickly because, my goodness, pain is a universal language. But sometimes it's hard to rejoice. But I can tell you something about rejoicing. You're going to be more like Jesus every time you rejoice with somebody who rejoices because it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. So walk with people where they are. And remember, peace is priority. Peace is priority. I just think that's an interesting way he says it. Live in harmony. Live in harmony with one another. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Did you know the one beatitude? Now, the beatitudes are the, the part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, blessed are those who do this, blessed are those who do that. The one, and they all have a reward with them. The one that says they will be called the sons of God, meaning they will be called the children of God. There'll be no mistaking them as children of God because you know they are the children of God because they, what is it? Blessed are the peacemakers. So why is it so important for us to be peacemakers? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when the Prince of Peace is living in you, it's going to be pretty hard not to be affected by that peace. And so he wants us to be peacemakers because that's when we look like him. Peace. First thing he said when he showed up to the disciples, peace be with you. So it's all through the scripture. And what Paul is saying is, hey, live with harm in harmony. Make sure you keep peace in mind. I like what Proverbs 16, 7 says. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know what I was told when I started out in ministry many, many years ago? I had some pastors. It was at a conference, and we were sitting around talking. I had pastors say, well, the way you know you're having a successful ministry is how many people are mad at you. I said, what? What did you say? Oh, yeah. If your people, if they're not mad at you, you're not doing anything. You're not living and, and preaching the way you should. You're supposed to have people mad at you. Well, I knew this verse out of Proverbs. I'm like, well, that didn't make sense. So that was Jesus' goal when he came to this earth is make everybody mad? No. I don't know where we got that. Now, I need to warn you. Paul throws something in that's very important. If possible. If possible, so far as it depends on you. What he's saying is, it's not always going to work. Jesus was beaten, though he walked in riding a donkey. I mean, literally, he comes in riding a donkey, and that is an animal of peace, and he brings peace, and what, what do they do? They beat him. They torture him. So what happened to that make peace with everybody? As far as it is possible. Because there's going to be a response to truth. There's going to be a response to righteousness. And it's not always good. It's not always the right response. But again, you don't have to worry about that because this is what he said. As far as it depends on you. The way I say it is, may we never be the reason peace fails. If it's the truth, 
the truth. But don't let us, let our life be the reason that peace doesn't have a chance. Peace is priority. And the last thing, never look down on somebody. If you want your love to be genuine, you treat the governor just like you do the beggar on the street. Never look down on somebody to think that I'm better. I like the way that Paul says it, actually. He says, do not be haughty, but associate with what? The lowly. The word for lowly are, is destitute. It's a word means they have nothing, or it's also translated simple things, meaning stuff. I mean, just don't get caught up in, I got to have all this stuff. No. And for sure, don't get caught up in, well, I don't want to be seen with them. They got nothing. And it just seems like sometimes today, the world of social media, it's nothing but a game we play to make people believe about us what isn't true. Because we're afraid somebody's thinking we don't have anything or we don't have. Well, the truth is, it doesn't matter what you say or what you have. It doesn't, they, they say what they want to say. They think what they want to think. I just want to be known as somebody who's as comfortable around the governor as I am a beggar. I want to be able to say I treated everyone the same, the lowly. I'll associate with you in a heartbeat. I'll associate with somebody who has wealth. I mean, it's a world of discrepancy, obviously, when Christians act differently around people who have means versus those who have nothing. The way of Jesus is you treat everybody the same. I mean, that's how Jesus did it. You realize he came to this earth. He had everything. I mean, he's with the Father. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He has made everything that is. And what does he do? Empties himself out into the form of a servant. And is born in a manger. A stable. And it didn't bother him. And he walked this, this earth and he hung out with people that had nothing. There are those moments where Jesus treated everybody with such honor. Remember the woman who came to him with the issue of blood. She'd had an issue of blood probably related to her cycle. And for 12 years, she's been unclean. And she was embarrassed. And so she comes crawling in the crowd to Jesus. She touches the hem of his cloak. We don't even know the woman's name. Nobody tells us her name. Touches his cloak. Immediately, the issue of blood stops. And Jesus stopped. And when he stopped, he said, who, who touched me? Don't you think for a minute he didn't know? He knew her zip code. He knew her social security number. He knew her Apple ID number. He knew everything. Everything. He knew. So why did he ask, who touched me? Because he wanted the disciples to see her. Because sometimes we just kind of act different with people we don't even want to see. And in that moment, he honored her. The woman at the well, who, what Jewish man is going to talk to a woman at the well? She's Samaritan. He did. I just want us to live that way. I want us not to be haughty, but to be humble and to live like Jesus, even with those who don't like us. C.S. Lewis <laughs> always has a way of saying it. He said it this way, as long as you're proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people, of course. And as long as you're looking down, you can't see somebody that's above you. 
So in other words, the more you look down on people, the less you understand him. And Jesus said, we live in a world where if you want to be the greatest, be a servant. So Paul says, don't be haughty, be humble. And then he says, don't, and this is the hard one, choose to trust, not get even. Choose to trust, not get even. Look at the text. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. Because it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, this one probably hurts the most because we like getting even. We love the feel of being able to get even. It's the flesh. And I promise you cannot do this if you are walking in the flesh. This is only a spirit-led person. And the problem is, is that when you seek to revenge, when you want them to drink the poison too, you're the only one that dies from it, not them. And so he says, don't repay anybody evil for evil. And then he says, just trust God. Look at it. Leave it to the wrath of God. In other words, God's got a plan. God's going to take care of this. And he quotes Deuteronomy 32, which was the sermon of Moses as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And listen to what this says. I'll, I'll, I'll put it up for you. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip. Really? God knows what's going to happen to that person that was unkind to you. Yep. For the day of their calamity is at hand. And their doom comes swiftly. Now, you feel better now? We feel better about this? God's going to take care of it. The minute you try to avenge, the minute you try to repay evil for evil, you have made a big mistake. Let me give you an example. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This happens most likely Thursday night of this week. He's in the garden. He's praying. Peter, James, and John are there. All of a sudden, the stillness of that garden is shattered by the soldiers coming. And they arrest him. And when they arrest him, what happens with Simon Peter? He's going to save the day. One reason we believe he was Baptist before he was Catholic, so just remember that. He pulls a sword. And he said, no, I'm going to take care of this, Jesus. I got this. I got this. He swings at a guy named Malchus, who was a servant of the high priest, cuts his ear off. Don't think for a minute Peter was just trying to clip the ear. He was swinging for the head. And Malchus moved enough that he just lost an ear. So what did Jesus do? First thing he does, he walks over and picks the ear up. Puts it back on him. Heals him. How many times has Jesus had to come along behind his children? who made a mess because they thought they could get revenge. They thought they could avenge wrong. Jesus looks at Simon Peter and says, Peter, I don't need your sword. Put it up. I don't need your sword. And he teaches him three great lessons, but let me just tell you one of them. Peter, don't you, don't you know? I can call on my father. And he can send 12 legions of angels immediately. Twelve legions. 
Do the math. That's 72,000 angels. Boom. Just like that. I don't need your sword, Peter. So you see, in the garden, Peter is a good example of what all of us like to do. We're going to fight. We're going to get back. We're going we're gonna to repay evil for evil, though we don't think it's evil. Peter thought it was good. I'm fighting for Jesus. You can fight in whatever name, but call it what it is. It's evil, and it's the flesh. And Jesus said, that's not how we live. When, remember when Pilate was standing there with him? Pilate said, I, I, tell me about your kingdom, and, and, and tell me about truth. I mean, there was this great dialogue with Pilate. But I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be out there fighting. My kingdom's not of this world. Can I beg you? Don't act like our kingdom is this world. Our kingdom is in heaven. Our kingdom is the kingdom of God. We will live like Jesus, not like the world. That's what he's saying. God will take care of you. God will avenge. And ironically, the one who drew the sword, Simon Peter, the one who fought, thinking he was helping, actually writes a letter called 1 Peter, and he quotes and says something about Jesus that I think Peter must have learned his lesson. Look at this. When he was reviled, speaking of Jesus, Peter said he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Trust God. Don't get even. I just need to be real honest. This one is so hard. I, uh, I've had a phone number in my phone of a guy who posted a video about our church filled with lies. So unfair, so ungodly, but yet he did it in the name of Jesus. I've had his number. I know who he is. And I've been waiting to make that call. I was with a group of pastors this week up in Jacksonville. Come to find out, we're not the only ones being attacked in these days. There is so much venom out there. There's so much poison in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about people outside. In the body of Christ. And another one of our godly brothers was attacked this week in social media. And actually had to change plans of what he was going to do in terms of leadership for us. And we were just kind of all sitting around talking about it. And I knew this verse was coming. And I just kept thinking, God, I know you're trying to say something to me. So all the way back from Jacksonville, I've got my phone right there in front of me. And I got that number. All I got to do is touch it. And I said, I'm going to call him. And the Lord said, why are you going to call him? I said, I'm going to bless him. <laughs> and the Lord said, I know what blessing means to you. <laughs> I know what you're going to do. He said, you're not going to call him. I said, Lord, it wasn't right. He said, what they did to me wasn't right. Lord, it wasn't, it wasn't fair. He didn't tell me that's where you take your pig, but he said, 
that wasn't fair what I went through. And guys, every time I started to push that number to call, I saw this week in the life of Jesus. When he was reviled, he reviled not. He just trusted God. God will fight for me. God will take care of us. And so this comes home when you begin to think about how you're going to respond to those people that did something that you didn't like. Do what Jesus did. It's called the way. This is how we live. This is when love is genuine. We don't just fake it. We truly love. And the last thing, huh, choose to help, not hurt. We think, I thought my conversation with him would help. And the Lord said, nope, not going to help. It's going to hurt. It's going to make it worse. So what Paul says is, look, you make this choice. If your enemy's hungry, crush him. <laughs> no. Watch him starve to death. Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. You kidding me? No. It's what Jesus did. For by doing so, you're going to heat burning coals on his head. Finally, we get to a part. Can I just tell you that as a reference, that's an Old Testament proverb. That is a proverb that means that God will judge that person and that God's judgment on them is in his hands, not yours. Now, there is a possibility that what it means is you do that and you can rejoice in the fact that that person may actually become a believer. So, it just doesn't mean what you think and that, ah, oh, yeah, I'm going to pour coals on his head. Nope. You're actually meaning you're going to turn him over to God and let God take care of it. And doing good is the best way I know how to overcome evil. You don't respond with evil. It never works. And don't be overcome by evil. Don't lower yourself to that place, wherever that person is that hurt you or wounded you. What do you do? You overcome evil with good. You say, yeah, but I don't live in a world where that's working. Look around. It doesn't look like it's working, does it? You've seen the reports from Ukraine? Where's the victory in that? You see believers dying for the name of Christ. Where is the victory in that? Well, may I remind you, you don't see everything. And number two, you don't see what's coming. You see the moment. So there is something coming. And I promise you, and Paul would say it, oh yeah, there's something coming. Evil's not going to win. In fact, sometimes we misinterpret. This week was a bad week for Jesus. In fact, Friday was probably the worst day of all. I mean, they started early in the morning beating him, slapping him, spitting upon him, mocking him as a king. They put a crown of thorns on his head, literally crushing those thorns into his flesh. He's bleeding all down his face. They whip him until literally the back is just ribbons of flesh. And they put a robe on him. And they say, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they jerk that robe off of him and they put a cross on him. And they start down that place, that road, that path called the Via Della Rosa. And they put him on a cross. And for six hours he suffers and he bleeds and he gasps for air. 
Now you tell me something. What's so good about that? Well, if evil wins, why shouldn't we call it Evil Friday? But this Friday is called Good Friday. You know why? Because he won. He was victorious. He accomplished something. So today, I want you to bow with me. I want you to pray. I want to live that way, Jesus. I know what you did for me. I want to live that way. I don't want to choose to get even. I want to choose to trust God. And I don't want to curse. I want to bless. I encourage you every day, think about his life and what he did this way. You can read in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, one-third of the Gospel of Mark is about these days, the last week of his life. It's the story of his suffering. And you just got to keep telling yourself, he did this for me. So what do we do for him? We live for him. We will stand for him. And we'll choose the way that Paul said, bless, not curse. No, don't be haughty. You live with hum humility and be humble. And you always, always trust God. Don't try to get even. And always help, not hurt, even your enemy. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And guess what next Sunday is? Easter. If you ever wondered if evil wins, nope. There's an empty tomb that says he wins. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.